Now it's recording. We have a podcast. What do you guys want to talk about? We should have planned this out before <laughs> I hit record. <laughs> so do you plan on having like a standard opening thing or what's your... Yeah, it'll go something like this. It just really gets you in the mood <laughs> to podcast, to fire it up, to podcast right now. Yes. And then you come in with big voice, drop the level. Welcome to Everything Egg. <laughs> And then some. <laughs> Presented by Kibble Equipment. Yeah, was that? That, I was saying that worked out great. That was good. My brother, I tell you, my brother was a morning disc jockey. And he met this one guy once. He's like, well, there's another disc jockey. So uh, do your do your disc jockey voice. And like my brother's like, uh, this is my disc jockey voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you ever listen to like, when you listen, like I'm watching March Madness right now. And you got like Kevin Harlan, who's got like this cartoon character voice. Or like Gus Johnson, you're like, I wonder what that guy's like. Or Jim Nance, like, I wonder what that guy's like to talk to in real life. Does he really? Does he really sound like that? Yeah. He's like, <laughs> and there's a naked man on the field. <laughs> when are we going to hyphy later? Yeah. Let's get on topic, um, sort of. So this week we've been doing uh, spring clinics mostly, right? Most yeah. of us have been tied up doing planner clinics, which yeah. has been. Uh, quite fun but it also brings up a bevy of topics that we can now cover on the podcast based on what people ask us questions on right yep um like for example one question that i got from our clinic here in owatana is why does sammy J eat sloppy joes with a fork (laughs) i'm not a freak i just didn't want to get i didn't get want to get everything dirty that's they're sloppy joes that first part that's where i get hung up at Clean living there. That's nice. Clean living. I think you just hover over a plate. Your hands are always going to be sloppy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. But I mean, with a fork, what are you really? What are you really risking with your? I mean, with a fork, you're still risking flopping it onto your tummy. (laughs) (laughs) And once you go with a spoon, he had it in a bun. Yeah. Oh, he was cutting the bun up. He wasn't just eating. I wasn't going (laughs) to stew. I didn't know if you're (laughs) gluten free. Just hammering in with my hand. If you got celiacs, I I just got to tell people. (laughs) All right, let's actually. I think I think we'll just have to hope people listen to this and give some feedback on whether or not it's okay to eat a sloppy joe. I'm not saying I'm right. I just thought thought that was strange. Well, I got to be presentable, and if I have sloppy joe all over my chest, that's not presentable. Yeah, no, you're you're always real suit and tie at work. That's you. It's a real white collar job. Um, so I'm going to introduce since this is our first real podcast episode. Uh, I am Sam Paulson, Big Sam, otherwise known on the social media uh, world as at Kibbleman Sam. And to my left is other Sam, Sam Jensen. Together we are Sammy Squared. Sam Jensen is our precision egg specialist. And then across our, from us, our third host here, Boss Man, is Boss Man. Doesn't go by any <laughs> other name. Is Chris Horeb, who is our technology manager at Kibble Equipment. So I think it's probably going to be the three of us fairly often, uh, unless we have guests, which we have some guests planned here for the future. Um, but our first topic. Uh, for this podcast was going to be and still is going to be boundaries, which may sound like a kind of a small thing to have your kickoff episode on. But when it pertains to us, it's quite large. When it pertains to us, it's quite large. That is true. So a lot of what boundaries 
uh, and why boundaries have become very important again is all due to the road to autonomy. <laughs> That's the radio voice. The road to autonomy. <laughs> Coming this fall. Maybe. Maybe. Starring other Sam. I should I, I should probably change my Instagram handle to that. Is that at the other Sam? Other Sam. That does sound important. No? No, you're spot on though. This whole road to autonomy has been getting a lot of buzz, but we're quite a ways away from that to be reality for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And if we look, let's step back a little bit and look at boundaries in the past. What's been your guys' experience with boundaries, customers using boundaries in the past? Horrible. Horrible, right? It's, it's, it was bad. 2630s and 2600s. Just there was a lot of issues with them that caused headaches, and there was more issues than there was benefits. And when that happens, you get a mass exodus. Yeah. So, so let's go get specific here. So, uh, Jensen, uh, like you mentioned the 2630, what was the issue on, on boundaries with the 2630? So the biggest complaint we get from customers is when they were using boundaries with the 2630 is they'd have their boundary in there, and it would, if it was slightly off or they made it wrong or drove it wrong, whatever it may be, if you're in a planner or a sprayer and you had section control on, it'd just shut off the machine. You wouldn't be able to either apply or plant at all, yeah. period, yep. point blank. Yep. And we, over the years as a dealership, we've sold RTK. So let, let's back up there, the GPS correction signal. GPS right? correction. What does RTK stand for? Oh, do I get an extra lollipop for this one? Yes. Uh, real-time kinematic. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for, like, what is he going to press? <laughs> when is he going to hit it? My hand was on the button. Yeah. So, yeah, so in the past, people would drive their boundaries with SF1, SF2, SF3, yep. and that just was not repeatable, period, right? But RTK, we've told everybody that RTK is never going to shift. Well, it's not well, supposed you, to I shift. I was to say, you should never say never. Never say, say never. never. Yeah, right. Um, so some issues that have happened, um, common things with, with RTK, uh, operator error is a big one. Yep. You're, you're supposed to map, you map the boundary on Paulson's base station, and then you come back and you're on Jensen's base station. Now that you, you could have a big problem. Yep. So that's probably the most common issue. Um, other ones that I've heard from, from people, uh, our base stations are usually mounted on grain legs or water towers, right? And if you guys have ever had the opportunity to climb one of those, the rural wireless industry has been bolting on all kinds of other devices up there. And uh, one situation where a customer called and their guidance line was off by two feet. Mm-hmm. And after a lot of head beating up against the wall, found that a, a wireless guy had moved the, the receiver, a Starfire receiver over two feet upstairs. So, um, and then purely weather. Yeah, and and also to add that, I climbed towers for two summers when I was an intern here. And when I was climbing those towers, a lot of them are kind of rickety. Yeah, like they move. Grain legs are not super stable. And when you're climbing them and you're 150, 200 feet in the air, I don't like heights as is. It scared the absolute crap out of me. It's because you're short. <laughs> <laughs> Well, compared in our TikTok video, I got a lot of crap about that. I look, I look four foot tall. Everybody thinks you're normal sized, and I look four foot tall. You look like Handy Smurf. I, I look tiny. I look tiny. Like one of the comments on your TikTok video was, "I didn't realize how big Sam was." Is he like, right behind you or thirty feet behind you? <laughs> but so we're so we're talking about everything that's gone wrong with the with, GPS signals, yep. right? So how is uh, the future going to be any different? Well, now we have a. Nice handy dandy little thing with the seven thousands called SFRTK. Yeah. So that's gonna be a game changer. That's gonna be huge. But the problem is gonna be is there's a lot of people on our 
network on an RTK network that's going to be transitioning everybody over to SFRTK. So we should give some background on what Starfire RTK, what that means, how that's created, and well, how it's different than what we can have on a Starfire 6000, which is what our current receiver population is primarily made up of that is using, especially that's using RTK or SF3. And now we've got the introduction of the Starfire 7000 and the introduction of the signal Starfire RTK. What is that? Yeah, so good call. So it's very confusing for people that don't live in this stuff all the time. Uh, so when we say radio RTK, we really mean radio RTK. So there's a base station that's within 12 miles of the tractor, combine, whatever, that's transmitting that, that differential correction signal. Yep. Um, and that the reason that's so accurate is because that, that base station is experiencing the same satellites that it's that the tractor scene uh, it's experiencing the same atmospheric errors, all that good stuff. So that's how it can be super accurate. Our Starfire six thousands they use the U.S. GPS and they use Russian GLONASS. So that's how they they get that correction, along with John Deere's Starfire network. That's the correction signal that yep. John Deere manages. And a lot of people don't realize that the Starfire network is its own network. So you look at like Trimble and uh, Ag Leader, they don't have that network like John Deere has their own separate satellite network that they use. Yeah, the and reference network. Yep. And yep. So that's that's a huge portion it's, why it's almost we can do uh, what we can do. Gosh, date myself. It's over twenty years old now. Mm-hmm. So almost, when that, almost older than me. Oh geez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well I would be really impressed if Chris knew the acronym for GLONASS. Um uh, my Russian, uh, my, yeah, my Russian's pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, try an accent. Let's get canceled, <laughs> episode one. <laughs> That's a really sore topic. I don't know if we want Yerg- to talk about Yerg- that. <laughs> I can't do Russian. So what's different with the Starfire 7000 is uh, we have not only the U.S. GPS and Russian GLONASS, uh, there's a Chinese version of the GPS, which is called Baidu. Which is called Weather Balloon, flying over Montana. <laughs> Spy balloons. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's how we get the differential correction from the, the <laughs> yep. Chinese. And then uh, the European Union has Galileo. So the 7,000 can take advantage of all those. So it's about double the satellites. Yep. Um, additionally, the antenna, if you were to peel one of these apart, there's a lot more uh, design into the antenna to make it more accurate and, and boot up faster and warm up faster. Yep. It's just significantly better. Yep. So, this, so then, it, again, you don't have to rely, rely on radios, local base stations. Yep. And uh, it's repeatable year over year. Just from Starfire. So now, back to our boundaries, we can do boundaries with yep. with confidence. Yep, now we can do it with confidence. And another thing to add about boundaries is, so the big problem with 2630s is if they would move and then that section control mm. problem. But now with Gen 4s, so your 4640s and 4600s, there's an option. Ooh, that was a nice voice crack. There's options inside your, <laughs> inside your section control menu. What were the options again? <laughs> Inside your section control menu, you can turn off external boundaries. So you can tell your display to ignore your external boundaries. And so you can keep your section control on, but just ignore those exterior boundaries. So if you do have anything shift or anything move, or it's just a bad boundary to begin with, then you can just turn that off and you're good to go. So what's the good difference between like a good boundary so and a bad boundary? Well, yeah, that was, that was kind of my question that I was about to ask is like, I don't think there was any real, in the past, there was no real push to make boundaries a certain way. It was like, just have boundaries. You just want the pink line around your field, no matter how you get it. I mean, you could draw it with a crayon tool, basically, on Operation Center, and you might your boundary might be half on Highway 13, 
Like it didn't matter. You got your boundary <laughs> in there. It's Picasso mode. Yeah, there's a little big button Picasso yeah. mode. So there's really three ways to do it. Two are good, one's bad. So the first option is, is like you guys said, you can go into Operation Center and you take the aerial imagery that we, that we have in Op Center, which is just Google Earth images. So it's not updated very often. It's not going to be close. You can go ahead and draw it in there, and that's for just using like if you're using Work Planner inside the Operation Center and different tools like that that require a boundary. But do not use machine functions on right. Those. So, so they so they it's not like we want to throw those completely away correct. because if you yeah. don't have any, they app for advantages in the mobile app. You can get turn by turn directions, estimated time to finish. Some are better than none. Yeah, right. And so if you have it's, those boundaries, keep them, but just be conscious of it. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, in an oil filter. There's a bypass relief valve in case you plug your your oil filter. filter. You know why? Dirty oil is better, better than oil. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other the other two ways is if you're inside operation center again and you can do an auto-generated boundary so you can pick one of your past harvest application seeding or tillage maps and generate that boundary and op center from one of those so it goes off your coverage map those are better than the hand-drawn ones but they're still not perfect because we've had run into a lot with tillage, tillage man Sam, that guys will accidentally record a coverage map down the county road. And so then you'll go into the operation center, generate that boundary, and then your field is halfway down the county road a couple miles. Yeah, yeah, but that's with stuff that doesn't have true set on it. So Oh boy, here we go. So in the new like the John Deere literature that this they've just started putting out, they've been classifying your fur the bad, basically crap boundaries yep. as as low quality boundaries. And then the higher quality boundaries as standard. Yep. But they do have three different classifications. And the next one that currently is not achievable or is not production software built in is the high fidelity or high quality boundaries. Yes. Yes. Yep. So that's a special build of software in the Gen 4 that's not currently publicly available yep. uh, where it will actually tag your boundary is driven, manually driven, and then it also document the differential correction signal that you are running uh, when you record it. So the system, for safety purposes, can know this boundary was driven with SFRTK, not SF1 or SF2 or yeah. whatever it may be. And yeah. that's, that brings me to the third option. The best option is you have a radio RTK or 7000 with SFRTK now. You go out, put it on your tractor, or you can put it on your side-by-side -side or whatever you have. Put it on there and go drive your boundaries so you actually have them field. You're in your field driving on the outside of your boundaries with the correct offsets and everything. And then those are the best boundaries, and those are you, you can use machine functions as, like section control, turn automation, and different things like that. Yep. So along, along with that, though, watch your speed. Yes. When you're don't, driving the boundaries. Don't go over 15 miles an hour. Yep. Yeah. So from what I can tell, the, the biggest difference between today's standard quality boundaries, which is the highest level of boundary we can achieve, right? So it's kind of confusing that way. But standard boundaries and then the higher quality boundaries that are sort of TBD to be released uh, is, a, one, the information around the correction signal, some more information on how the boundary was generated. Also, the number of points it creates is the biggest differentiating factor for the quality of the boundary. So basically, once your points get too far apart, then it 
just qualifies it as a standard quality boundary, basically. Yeah, the, the 7,000 runs at 10 hertz. 10 hertz, and the 6,000 runs at 5. Yeah. So 5 points per second versus 10 points per second. Thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. I know that kind of gets over your head, even, so with, ten, even with your hair. 10, 10 is two fives. <laughs> okay. Got it. Um, Good. And then, so correction signal, though. So SF1, SF2. That qualifies as what? Low. So SF even SF2 is still qualified as a low quality boundary. Yeah. Because it's not repeatable. So so basically to create even a standard quality boundary, we either need a driven field boundary from a Starfire six thousand that is connected to SF three or RT radio RTK. Just radio RTK. Just radio RTK. Not not S not SF three. Because SF three is repeatable in season, but not year to year. So if you went and drove your boundary last fall and tried to bring it in and use it this spring, it's going to drift. Yeah, it's nine months. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's a temporary so standard the, quality boundary. So the, the, true, the true way to get You're just a, renting it. You're just renting it. The true way to get a standard highest quality boundary, you drive it with a machine with radio RTK. And that's yeah. it. And yep. then eventually, now that seven thousand is going to come out, then you can drive them with yeah. seven thousand. So right, right now we're we're advising people that if they're trying to go down this RT, the, radio RTK route, what is it, the journey to automation? The journey to automation. <laughs> uh, if they can uh, pause, especially if they got a significant amount of acres to wait until they can have access to a seven thousand to drive those boundaries, yeah. they don't have to redo them again. Because that's one of going to be the biggest hurdle of getting guys into 7,000s out of their radio RTK 6s and 3s is they already have all their maps or their, all their fields, boundaries with guidance lines and things like that. And there's right at the moment, there's not a tool to switch those over to SF RTK. Hopefully. Yeah, so you're saying that if I were to grab a 7,000, yep. Use SFRTK and then load up my boundaries and guidance lines from my radio RTK. That might be different. They are going to be different because SFRTK is using only satellite correction from just the receiver itself, and radio is using the machine plus a base station. So they are going to be different. So with radio RTK, it's always repeatable, but it doesn't necessarily mean that SFRTK and radio RTK are always going to match up perfectly. They Correct. A little bit. That was how I needed to explain it to myself. <laughs> so that way, when you're going out selling 7,000s, you know? I'm not going to go out selling 7,000. Well, you're the product product sales specialist. I might make so. a video about it. Oh, yeah. Eventually. Starring you. <laughs> Other Sam. <laughs> um, so, but you do you have to drive the boundary then? Yes. You physically have to drive the boundary. Can you use existing cover it can you use a coverage map created with rtk so standard so standard can be created with a coverage map but it has to be created with the higher signal so it has to be radio rtk if it's if you're going to do it off a coverage map because i'm not i last i heard you can't well you can but your results may vary okay that's what it was yeah because if you do look at that preview in operation center you do you, you, you create you know a, auto generate your boundaries you can look at the preview yeah. and sometimes they're not not even close yeah they're just like they're funky. Like if you had a, uh, depending on how you drove the that pass around the field, if there's any wiggles and guides and stuff like that, and that that planter's back there moving around a little bit, it can be. Well, yeah. So like pro tips, the one, the one thing is like let's say you've got whatever there's poles, fence that you're 
wiggling around on the outside, especially if it's like telephone poles where you're looking at like, I don't know how far apart are telephone poles, hundred feet. Depends on those old wooden know, ones. Some, some line ones. Yeah, where's the line when you need them? Yeah. 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 Call my brother. Maybe our next I left my podcast. Google, I left my Google box out of here. <laughs> <laughs> if you're wiggling around poles, like you don't want that to reflect on your boundary because you're obviously well, your line's going to wiggle. You want your boundary to line up straight across. Are you going to be using machine, machine functions? So if you're going to do ATTA, automatic or auto track turn automation, you want it. But it would still, I'm, I'm saying the boundary would still be outside of your telephone poles. But you, the way you've got your offset set, you may have to wiggle around the pole. Let's, let's say it's, let's say you do it with a tractor, right? And you set your width right at the edge of the tire, mm-hmm. yep. which is not necessarily always how you want to do it. You know, like if we're using a gator, you know, we might want to have like a, a whip arm or something that's measured out there so that, you know, if you do clip something, it's no big deal. But if you, right. if you do it like how we've always been taught with a tractor, you use half the, the machine width, you're right at the edge of the tire, and then you're wiggling around stuff, then you're going to end up with a wiggly boundary. Whereas there is a function in there when you're recording a boundary, if recording a driven boundary, you can pause it and resume it. Right. Yeah. Yep. And that would be your Snap pro tip. Yeah. You just got to know what you're going to use the boundary for because that uh, auto track line feature called boundary fill. Or you can pull into the field and it, it'll generate. I didn't think about that. Guidance lines that wrap around. It's like a curve track that wraps around the field three times, and I think one time outside the, the, the one time outside, uh, three or four times inside. Inside, yeah. So the, you would want that to follow the reality, so you don't you don't clip anything, right? And it does work really, really well if you have a good. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say good boundary because now we have this <laughs> this low standard. <laughs> I'm adding another category. Good boundary. Use decent. the correct terms. The terms have <laughs> been given to us. Quite decent. Appropriate. Decent. O- o- okay boundary. Uh, yeah, boundary. Mediocre boundary. You need a boundary. slider. Yeah. Zero to 11. Here, here's a takeaway from all this. If you're going to do boundaries and you have boundaries in your op center or you're using boundaries, keep them. They're not really going to hurt anything. I had a note here that said, make crap boundaries get crap performance. The, Should we put that on a bumper sticker? So my favorite saying, crap in, crap out. So so you bring in bad data. Is that like a Taco Bell reference? <laughs> when it comes to the data management world, if you have poor data coming in to your data management program, i.e. Op Center, hopefully. If you have poor data coming in, you're going to get poor results out. So when you try to pull reports and analyze different things, it's not going to be right. It's not going to look right. It's going to be very hard to decipher what's going on on, on the inside, especially pulling reports. So if you have do some pre-work inside your op center and inside your displays, and so everybody's on the same page, whether operators or different things like that, then you'll be okay. So then you have good coming, good going out and good coming in. So, yeah, when it goes crap in, crap out, that's what Paulson means by that. Great story. Compelling <laughs> and rich. <laughs> I'm just trying to be helpful. All right. I get some other things. I just look at your notes here that it is valid that people do. I mean, when you're in a machine that has section control, you typically remember to, well, not all the time, but remember to do your measurements and your TCM calibrations, yes. things like that. So if you have a, a receiver um, on the top of the gator, we, we prefer gators. That's what, isn't that, If you drive it with a gator, isn't that another level of boundary? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's like the deluxe. Um, <laughs> premium. It's, it's a premium. Premium. Premium boundary. Uh, ultimate. The ultimate. Make sure that you calibrate your TCM and get all your measurements in there properly. If you drive it with a gator, is that an exact boundary? I think we just got a new name. New name. Another exact. Exact bounds. Can, mm-hmm. I, can we coin that term at Gable Equipment? 
an exact boundary? Uh, we certainly can. Will John Deere love that? Probably not. Did you tell everybody what's in the case now on Instagram? I haven't looked at it. You, po- you posted <laughs> last night on your story. I was going to Instagram. I, I was going to. You can take a video right now and this is what's in the case. Uh, so <clears throat> this is probably how we're going to wrap up every episode is with uh, favorite my favorite things from social media. <laughs> um, so last night on my Instagram, I posted an Instagram story where I have I have this rifle case that I got at um, Harbor Freight. Harbor Freight, yeah, it's actually pretty cheap. It's a good deal. It's a nice case, but I use it to carry the mixer and all the mics around, you know, so they don't get all banged up. And then like cords and stuff, I throw in a backpack. So I have this mobile podcast studio. Well, I I tried to tease that we're starting a podcast, and I said, you know, I asked people what they thought was in the case. I said, you know, and people don't really listen. So, but I said, it's not the obvious thing. Like I have a rifle case here, but it's not the <laughs> obvious thing. And then I must've gotten 40 people that were like, it's a gun. <laughs> it's a John Deere gun. Prairie State Tractor said bazooka. Is it a <laughs> limited edition John Deere bazooka? Which immediately takes me back to the dark night scene where he, the Joker's in the back of the trailer and he's, and the guy driving the armored truck is like, what is that? Is that a bazooka? <laughs> This. Let me borrow your phone. Bring up TikTok. I want to bring up. Uh, whatever, how long do you got? I got two minutes. Oh well, we got two minutes left in our podcast. I mean, we're gonna. We're edit. Only, I was gonna say we're only gonna have a thirty-minute podcast. Is we're gonna it cost to get the sixty-minute version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bring that boss man. Yeah, boss man. Double the price. <laughs> what do you want? What do you want on TikTok? Oh, I want you to pull up that one with the 8R EVT. We, I recorded a video on the 8R EVT electric variable transmission. So brand new transmission. There are no other egg manufacturers that are utilizing that technology, especially the part where you can offboard the electricity. It doesn't matter. I don't need to get into the details on it. Go, just go watch the TikTok video. The important, yeah, or the YouTube video. The YouTube Either, video yeah, is doing pretty roaring. well too, honestly. But man, there was, there's like 200 something. What'd you say there was? 222 comments. 222 comments on a TikTok video. So they're impossible to get through. First of all, there was so many of them when I tried to read through them that were like, oh, John Deere must've copied this or John Deere copied it from this. Like a (laughs) bunch of people said we copied the case Electrol tractor from the 1950s. And we need to, we need to, we need to give them some credit. Give case credit where it's due. You better give case credit because they invented the technology of taking electricity and powering implements with it, which really held up well. That version, they're still using that technology today. It must have gone over really well. Everybody bought in. Uh, it's It's exhausting to post anything about John Deere because there's so many people that just go on social media to, to crap on everything. Like <laughs> the first thing they do when they, and it seems like John Deere is just a, a big time target of it, but they immediately they watch a video and they're like, there's gotta be a way that you're under your copy debt from somebody like, and they'll come up with something. They'll go, they'll do like whatever. What's that? Like six ways to Kevin Bacon. Like they'll, they'll find some crazy link from some crazy machine that no, doesn't exist anymore. Oh, they copied it. This whole topic of you need to give credit to somebody. You need to give credit to somebody. Like I don't hop in my Silverado and I, I tap the steering wheel and go, thanks, Henry Ford, for inventing that Model T. Or I don't even know what the first, doesn't matter yeah. what the first truck is, but you get the point. Like, it's, yeah. yeah, I better give a nod to the first tractor ever invented because uh, 
Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing my due diligence farming here today. Like, no, the EVT is technology that we haven't completely harnessed yet, but that's why I made the video, like to show you this is technology that is above and beyond what any of us are experiencing now, and it's only from John Deere. And uh, nobody can be excited. Nobody can go on to a video and be like, man, that is really cool, Sam. And there are people that do it. It's just... Very seldom. Yeah, well, that's the thing. People like people just go on to troll, and they know that those are the ones I'm going to remember. <laughs> and I shouldn't. I shouldn't like, even. See, like yeah, right I'm just. <laughs> I'm just encouraging it now. Uh. Although I will say this, I will end the segment with this. All those people that jump on and comment about how uh, John Deere is junk, and then they like try to start stuff in the comments, which I love when people start going back and forth and like, there's always somebody that I'm not going to jump in and defend myself, but somebody else will. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, go get him. Get him, <laughs> punch him. Um, uh, <laughs> but the best part about when people blow up the comment section on a video like that is that it, it gets it more traction. It trips the algorithm. And that video went like pretty big on TikTok because people get all fired up and hit the comment section. And then boom, now it's on my wife's for you page on TikTok. And she goes, why do I need to see you? Cause I see you every day. <laughs> she's, she's like, Oh, ski up <laughs> next. Uh, so that's great. So keep commenting. Even if it's really negative stuff, I appreciate it because every comment that you put on, the TikTok videos that I make just pumps it into the algorithm even more. And then it gets more views. And then it looks like I'm doing my job. So thank you. <laughs> Sincerely. From all of us here at Kibble Equipment. <laughs>